Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Plant family, I want to thank you for joining us today online. And as we begin, I just want to remind you that this is a communion service. And so I hope that you have the communion elements with you, the bread and the cup. And so in that, we are starting today a 40-day journey of prayer. When the plant began, one of our core values, which is a core value of our denomination, the Krishna Missionary Alliance, is that prayer is the primary work of God's people. And from the beginning of the plant, even before the plant started, prayer was what established this church to be planted. And so every single year, we have done a season of prayer and fasting. And our denomination this year is doing a 40-day prayer journey. And so our leadership thought it best to partner with our denomination, with other churches of the Christian and Missionary Alliance all throughout the United States that are kicking off today, January 3rd, in a season of prayer. We are also, though, as a church, fasting. And I want to encourage each one of you to choose one day to fast we are asking everybody from our church to fast one day. We are asking everybody to pray all 40 days. We are going to empower you by sending home daily devotionals for individuals and weekly, individ uh, weekly devotionals for families with kids and youth. We are also going to have a 24-hour prayer encounter. And so we are going to do everything in our ability to empower you to engage uh, on this journey of prayer over the next 40 days. I will say this. We have seen the hand of God upon our church every single time we engage in prayer. And now more than ever, we need to partner in prayer together. We went into 2020 and everyone was hoping for this, this clarity for what was next. And the truth of the matter is, as a church, we got great clarity. God showed us that Mawa, the Mawa location is our home. We had clarity that we were supposed to plant a church in West Milford. We had clarity that there are people online that, that wanted to partner with us. But we also had clarity that, that people are hurting. And people are broken. And people need the gospel more now than ever. And so as we begin 2021, now more than ever, we need to do the primary work that God has called us to do, and that's pray. I believe that when we pray together, God reveals his future for us. And so I love what our denomination did. Every week we are given a sermon direction and every week we will give our life groups direction into the focus of that week. And this week we are beginning with the holiness of God. This week, and what better way to start prayer, what better week to start a season, a 40-day journey of prayer and fasting than by looking at the holiness of God. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the passage that's going to be our focus for today and for this week. I'm going to pray. We're going to look at the passage. 
and then we are going to go to the Lord's table together. So I want to read this passage, and I want to challenge you that over the next little bit, take notes, take to heart what Scripture says and what God is inviting us to do. So let's read this passage together. Isaiah 6, 1 through 4. It was the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings, they, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they, they flew. They were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundation and the entire building was filled with smoke. Isaiah chapter six, verse one through four. Let's pray together. Father God, I, I ask you that you would allow me to speak clearly in such a way to communicate this passage that will allow us to position ourselves to begin this 40-day journey together as we go on a prayer journey with one another. God, you are holy and may we begin these 40 days by looking at your holiness. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to give you background to this passage because the background to this passage allows us to take the lesson that God is trying to speak to us today. First, the background. Many, many times there are, there, are, there are things that block our vision from God. Many times in our life, there are, there are things in our lives that, that block, blind our vision from seeing God and even being in a relationship with God. Now, oftentimes we think about these things that, that block our vision are, are negative things, but the truth of the matter is, I believe that oftentimes good things block our vision of God as well. Whether that be that, that feeling of, of security, of financial security, or a job security, a feeling of, of having a, a home and a safe home and a comfortable home. The feeling of having secure and good leaders, that, that people that are caring for us and overseeing us. We, we love stability. We love to be cared for. We love to have a sense of, of ownership, yet knowing that we are provided for. And so often in our lives, we, we create our own little worlds, our own little surroundings that, that even though we know God, we love God, we recognize God, we have lost a sense of dependency on God. Let me say that again. Even though we may know God and love God, there's a time in our life that we allow the things around us to challenge our dependency on God. How true that is right now. That, that we really came to a point of really feeling secure and comfortable and, and just content. But have we depended on God always? Or have we created a sense of dependency that we trust in? 
And so there are things that, that block our vision of God. And, and oftentimes those are really, really good things. But then there are times that God removes these props. Someone loses a job. Someone gets ill. The stock market crashes. Chaos ensues. And all of a sudden, you are standing there feeling as if God has abandoned you. Again, the props are removed. A loved one gets ill. You lose your job. Financial crisis. And all of a sudden, you feel as if God has left you. Chaos surrounds. It gets thicker by the moment. Anxiety creeps in. It's very interesting about this past 10 months. I know many people who have never struggled with anxiety, and anxiety is all around them. Anxiety was never part of their personality. And yet in the midst of, of certain props being removed from their life, chaos ensues. Their soul and anxiety is rising. This is exactly what's happening in Isaiah chapter 6. I actually want to really challenge you. If you really dive into this passage with me and you say, wow, I want to learn a little bit more. You, you really learn about what's happening in, in chapters 1 through 5 of Isaiah. Chapter 6 is the, the springboard to the lesson that, that we're going to talk about. But the key is in, in verse 1 in chapter 6, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died. In the year that King Uzziah died. When you look at the kings throughout Israel and, Ju and Judah, Uzziah was one of the greatest kings. You had King David, King Solomon, and then you had a pool of all these other kings. And Uzziah was known to be the third greatest king that God had put in a position of power. He became king at the age of 16, and he reigned for 52 years, half a century it says this in, in 2 Chronicles 26, 3 through 4, that he did what was right in the eyes of Yahweh. Uh, 2 Chronicles 26, 3 through 4, he did what was right in the eyes of Yahweh. He had established the kingdom to continue to be a place of authority and power, not just amongst God's people, but, again, but amongst everybody. People loved King Uzziah. And as a young man at the age of 16, he was put in a place of power to oversee Judah, God's people. And there was this place that you know as a young man, just like David, just like Solomon, men who were put in authority at a young age sat under the authority of God and the submission of God. And for many, many years, King Uzziah sought God. It says that he did everything right in the eyes of Yahweh. And what we see in the Old Testament and what we see throughout Scripture, when we sit under the authority of God, when we sit under the submission of God, we allow God 
to fulfill God's purposes in our life. But here's the problem. I began with talking about things that block our vision of God. Props, success, finances, praise. These things have the power, even when they're given to us by God, have the power to block our vision of God. And there came a point where where King Uzziah became prideful, conceited, full of himself. And it says in 2 Chronicles 26.20, this is when things started going downhill. But when he, King Uzziah, had become prideful, he also became proud, which led to his downfall. Let me read that again. But when he had become powerful, he also became proud, which led to his downfall. Isn't pride the downfall of every person? When pride comes, destruction falls. It says that in Proverbs. It goes on to say that that he sinned against the Lord, his God, by entering the sanctuary of the Lord's temple and personally burning incense on the incense altar. Toward the end of his life, he tried to usurp priestly prerogatives and God afflicted him with leprosy. Now, what's interesting about this passage, this is what Uzziah did. He didn't take many women to be his wives. He didn't commit adultery. He didn't murder people. He didn't do all these things. What he did wrong was he he did what God told him not to do. God told Uzziah, you are a king and a king only. But Uzziah's pride said, I want to be more than a king. I want to be a priest. And as he got older and he saw what the priest did and how the priest met with the presence of God, as the priest met with the Holy Spirit, as the priest went into the holies of holies, he says, I want some of that. I'm king. I deserve that. God put me in a place of power and I am going to manipulate myself, my thoughts, my motives, my agenda to begin to act like a priest. You see, how true that is in all of our lives. God gives us a lane, a calling, a purpose, and we're never satisfied. And so we kind of switch lanes. Then all of a sudden, we, we realize we find ourselves in trouble and we switch lanes and we're like, what happened? Well, you switch lanes. God told you to stay here, but you wanted to go there. God gave you this, but you wanted that. The grass is always greener on the other side, which is actually not true. And Uzziah went to go to another lawn to see if the grass over there was better. Because with all the power, with all the authority, with all the riches, his pride said it's not enough. And so God took the prop away. And Uzziah got sick. And as much as God loved King Uzziah, he says, you are not God. You are a person who was put in an earthly, kingly role. But you're trying to act like one of my priests, which you're not. And so... 
that first verse in Isaiah 6, verse 1, has heavy meaning. In the year that King Uzziah died, in other words, the glory days are over. The glory days are over. And as the funeral procession went throughout the kingdom, as they had buried the king's body, as the people would have mourned for at least 30 days, as that was biblical tradition, the conversations during the mourning season was more than likely, and the glory days are done. And so here enters Isaiah. Isaiah enters the picture and he goes to the temple. He goes to, to enter the inner courts. He goes to meet with God. Isaiah was a unique individual. He was a priest. We learn he becomes a prophet, but he was also a statesman. He must have had a relationship with King Uzziah. There must have been some interaction with one another because he was a priest and King Uzziah wanted to be like a priest. He was a statesman, so he would have, he would have collaborated with King Uzziah, but he also was a prophet. And so he, meant, he went to go meet with God and he went to go cry out to God. And in this moment, he felt so alone. Recently, I got a text from someone. I, I reached out to someone and they texted me and they said, I have never felt so alone in all of my life. I feel like God has abandoned me. And that was Isaiah. He, he, it was almost like Isaiah sending a text through scripture saying that he felt all alone as if God has abandoned me. And I texted that person and said, God has never abandoned you. Their heart, their mind was broken. Their heart, their mind was, was fixed on the glory days and, and feeling that because those days have ended that now they're sitting in a place of, of loneliness and isolation. And the reason why Isaiah felt alone is because the inner courts felt lonely and empty. What will happen to the people of God? What will happen to the people that that. Isaiah was called to shepherd. On top of this, there were two surrounding armies that were, were going to invade the people of God and there was fear of war and, and fear of being conquered. And what better time for these armies to, to conquer the people of God when the king has died and the people are mourning. But what we just read in Isaiah chapter six, verse one through four, is that the throne was not empty. The throne was empty not empty. And in this moment, God gives Isaiah a, a, an image, a vision of what is happening in the heavenlies right now. God sitting on the throne. The king of the universe, the creator of the universe is sitting on the throne. And amongst him, there, there's the, the Lord's armies filled of angels Seraphim, he, pictures of seraphim, these, these angels that had six wings. Now, now, for me, that would have freaked me out. I would have been like, is this a devil or is this God? I mean, think about it. We think about angels. We think about two wings, just nice, cute little angels, harmless angels. And all of a sudden, you see these angels flying with six wings, and, and they, they were just flying, and all you could probably hear is that, 
And as the angels are flying with these six wings all over themselves, they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And I can envision the wings of, that every time the wings went in, there were, there were words, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is. And in that moment, God is showing, revealing to Isaiah that, that I have every single thing in control. The problem is, is that you, humanity, in your sinful desires, like King Uzziah, have turned your back on me. And you have chosen not to see me. You have turned your back on me to, to look at King Uzziah and put him on his throne and worship me through him rather than just going right to me. And God gives that image that, that he is on the throne. He is always on the throne. The angels are always on the throne, around the throne. And that will never, ever change. No matter who sins or how they sin, I am holy, but sinful man cannot be in the presence of God. Isaiah's vision of God revealed a God who was receiving constant praise. Maybe not through King Uzziah or the people of God, but by others. Unlike any other being, God is worthy of receiving continual praise. God has always been worshiped. Whether we are worshiping or not, God is always being worshiped. And all of a sudden, you have this picture of Isaiah feeling the sense of being cursed by God because he couldn't feel the presence of God because he pushed God away that, that he's standing in a place feeling cursed by God. Listen to what it says in verse five. Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed, I'm cursed for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. I know that whenever I have lived in moments of sin and stupidity, I have felt a weight upon my shoulders, like that of a curse. Will God ever forgive me? Will I be banished from the presence of God? And when I see this, this passage, there, there's two things that come to life. Self-awareness and an emotion. The self-awareness saying that, that I am unworthy to stand in the presence of God. And I have done something that has not allowed me to stand in the presence of God. That's a beautiful place to be, people. 
When you realize that something that you have done has pushed you from the presence of God, that's called self-awareness. And this is the sin that I believe that Isaiah did. Again, King Uzziah, it's not like like he did a grave sin that we call grave sin. What he did was the worst sin of all. He chose to be like God. You see, we have lists of sins. This, 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 this. The top 10 sins that God won't forgive. You know what? The one sin that King Uzziah did leads to all this other stuff. And that's wanting to be godlike. That's wanting to live under your authority and your submission. And you know what that sin is called? Pride. Pride. King Uzziah's pride led to his downfall. And king in our pride leads to making very unhealthy decisions that leads to our downfall. And the sin of Isaiah, I believe, is this. He was a priest, and he was a statesman, and he was a prophet. And, and look what he says. He says, I am a man of unclean lips. Did that mean that Isaiah was running around using vulgarity? Was that that he was running around and, and talking bad about people? I believe, and again, this is me looking at the narrative and pastorally speaking to you. I believe that the sin that Isaiah committed was he didn't speak up. When King Uzziah entered the courts the first time, he should have said, whoa, 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 you're not supposed to be here. And then when he entered again, whoa, 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 you should not be here. And when he tried to enter a third time, he should have said, shame on me, you need to get out. When he had those moments as being in that stately position, Isaiah had the opportunities probably more than once to pull King Uzziah aside and saying, Uzziah, God has positioned you to be a king. Stop wanting to be a priest. Let us do our job and you do your job. And when you look at scripture, it speaks so thoroughly. Look what it says. It says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Or maybe better said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is silent. Isaiah's sin was the sin of silence. And he's thinking, I missed my opportunity to speak to the king, to draw him back to a place of holiness, leading us back to a place of holiness. We got wrapped up in the blessings rather than the one who grants our blessings. And I believe that in that moment, the curse that he felt is, I didn't speak up. Have you ever felt that? See, we talk about the sin of speaking too much, right? We talk about the sin of not, of not being quiet. But there's also a sin of silence that I believe that really crushed Isaiah in the presence of God. You see, when you have an encounter with a, with a living God, there's a reaction. There's a reaction, and it's an emotion. It's fear. It's awe. Remember, self-awareness and then an emotion, which is fear. 
And there was a fear that came over Isaiah saying, I am unworthy. He even uses the word, I am doomed. I am a man of unclean lips. I recognize I've done wrong. I recognize I messed up. I recognize that I was silent. And when I look at the gospel, when people come into the presence of God in a place of humility, they are so quick to identify the wrongs they have done. Look at Zacchaeus. He's in a tree. He wants to see Jesus, but in some ways he's hiding from the crowds, maybe even hiding from Jesus. And Jesus cracks up. He's like, Zacchaeus, come down. And Zacchaeus and everyone's around. Everybody around is thinking, good, Jesus is going to scold him. He's going to blow him up. And Zacchaeus is just thinking, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. And Jesus says, come on, I'm going to your house and stay. And Zacchaeus recognizes his sin. He says, I'm going to give it all away. What about Mary Magdalene? Falling at the feet of Jesus, believing that she should be stoned to death. And she throws herself at the feet of Jesus. She knows what she's done. And for those individuals like Isaiah, they're thinking, oh no, I'm cursed. They see my sin. You see, being prideful allows us not to recognize our wrongdoings, our sin. Humility brings us into the presence of God where God reveals that, that block, that boulder that keeps us from him. And when God reveals that boulder or that block, it's one of the most beautiful moments in your life. For me, it was 1991, the King's Kyre in Briarcliff Manor, New York, when God revealed my boulder. I knew I was born sinful. I knew I was born broken. But there were boulders in my life that God said, these keep me from you. And I remember being on my bed as a college kid and just saying, I am cursed. He really does see me. But here's the beautiful thing. We don't sit and the curse that we put upon ourselves. Isaiah was cursing himself. And because he was standing in the holiness of God, God was going to cleanse Isaiah. It says in Isaiah 6, 7 through 11, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He, he touched my lips with it and said, see this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. In this vision, the Holy God sent an intermediary to help his unholy creation. God sent an intermediary to help his unholy creation. God said, you're not cursed. I'm going to cleanse you. And the intermediary that he sent was a seraphim that was holding a fiery coal. And he touched the lips of Isaiah. And he healed, spiritually healed Isaiah. He cleansed the sin that Isaiah committed. And God says, that now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. 
And that's what he did for Isaiah. That was the atonement. Atonement refers to the needing for reconciliation between sinful man and humanity. The atonement was the coal, a temporary atonement. We see all throughout the Old Testament, temporary atonements, sacrifices of bulls and sheep and birds and and coal. For us, he did something so much greater. He said, I'm no longer going to send temporary atonements. Isaiah, I am going to cleanse you and I am going to call you to proclaim the once and final atonement for all sins. Look what it says in in verse 8. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. Isaiah enters the court feeling cursed. When he repented of his sin, he was cleansed. And now God said, I am going to cleanse you and I am calling you to go and proclaim the final atonement of the sin of humanity. I am going to finally reconcile God and humanity once and for all. And you, Isaiah, the rest of your life, you have one job. You are going to proclaim the coming of the Messiah, who is my son, Emmanuel, God with us. You are going to write about his birth. You are going to write about his death. You are going to write about his life. You are going to proclaim things that seven, eight hundred years later, people will read and look back and remember your writings. But before they read your writings, they're going to recognize your redemption. That you, a broken, sinful man who lived in the fear of others, came to a relationship with me finally where you came in humility and I took your curse and I cleansed it and you couldn't be silent ever again. You were a spiritual jabberjaw. You were that person that had to talk and talk and talk and talk and and you know what he said? He says, I will. Here I am. You have called me and I am going with you. Isaiah's response was worship. Isaiah's response was was worship and obedience. What's your response? You know, it's so interesting because there are so many times I don't like being a pastor. (gasps) Pastor Rob just didn't say that. Pastor Rob just said that. There are so many times that that I dream about Sue and I moving to Vermont. I'm going to let you get into my soul a little bit right now. Let's have a little fun. There's so many times when I'm really frustrated. I say, honey bun, we're moving to Vermont and we're starting a breakfast nook. She's like, what? Where'd this come from? I'm like, no, I've thought through it. And we're calling it Susie Q's. And we're going to start a breakfast nook 
By day, it's a breakfast nook, and at night, it's a missional community. And within moments, I'm like, I can't do that. I have been called to be a pastor. That's my role. That's what I have to do. So even in my greatest moments of frustrations, I want to run from my call. I want to pull a King Uzziah. I want to go do something else. But when I remember my encounters with the living God, my Isaiah counter in 1991 at the King's College, I have to stay on the path that God has called me to. To live out my role that God has called me specifically to. And within moments, I'm calling someone. I'm praying for someone. When you have an encounter with the living God, you can't be quiet. And I, and I think that's probably one of the biggest problems in, in Christianity today is we, we've given people a religion. We haven't given people a relationship. We haven't challenged people to, to look at the boulders in your life that block you from God. We don't take the word of God seriously, literally. We like to water it down. We like to kind of just kind of smooth over the hard parts. But if we want to stand in the presence of God and be in the holiness of God, so God can deal with those things that have cursed us, so that God can cleanse us, so that we can live at our calling, if we don't do that, we have done the church a disservice. Here is my prayer right now. That like Isaiah, you would be given a vision of that thing that has blocked you from the presence of God this year. And you would just call out to God. I, I, I literally envision right now Someone reaching over and grabbing the person's next to them's hand. I literally envision right now someone just getting on the floor and just saying, God, forgive me. I literally envision someone standing up and saying, I can't believe he just spoke to my soul. Who told on me? I, I really envision this. Because in this moment, when you recognize that which has blocked you, your heart is prepared to be cleansed. So this is why we're starting our 40 days of prayer like this. Looking at the holiness of God. 2021 is here. For the next 40 days, we are focusing on God and God alone. For Isaiah, it was a piece of coal. For us, it's Jesus. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a child is given. We just celebrated Advent and Christmas. And we continue by celebrating not just the birth, but the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, who was our atonement for our sin. Jesus said in Matthew 26, 
He said, take this and eat it, for this is my body. Our king, our shepherd king, became the lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. So together, we eat together. We eat remembering that our curse is cleansed by Jesus shedding, breaking his body and shedding his blood for us. Let's eat together. Jesus then took the cup and he gave thanks to God for it. And he said this, each of you who drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. His body represents that the curse was cleansed. His blood represents our call, a covenant call to be identified as children of God, sons and daughters. And in this covenant, we are called to live out the purposes and plans that God has for us. Plant family, I drink this cup today as a symbol of my covenant between the Father to myself to live out my calling. You drink your cup as a remembrance of your covenant so that you can live out your calling through Jesus, in Jesus, and by Jesus. Let's drink together. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to you today looking at the holiness of who you are. You are always worshiped. Whether we are standing before your throne or we have turned our back to you, you are always worshiped. Today, God, we confess that which has blocked us from the throne. And today we receive your cleansing. And today, together, our church family receives the call to live in our identity and to share your good news. Thank you for your holiness. God, we choose to sit in the awe of who you are. Amen. Plan family, I hope you take the invitation. I've been using the word challenge so much. It's like, come on, I'm challenging you, I'm challenging you. No, I'm inviting you now for the next 40 days to pray and to fast one day. Fast one day, I'm inviting you that we as a church family would go to the throne room to God. We would go to the throne room of God together. Remember this plant family. We are praying with you and we're praying for you. Happy New Year. 
It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.